Thank you, Vicki. Good morning to each of y'all this morning. Well, we've got a beautiful day out there today, and it looks like summertime has finally came. So, we're glad each of you here would like to welcome our visitors this morning. Thank you for coming. Uh, we're glad you're here, and we just hope you enjoy just joining into the service. If you have children, we've got Children's Church uh, down the hall. They'll be dismissed in a little while for that. And if you need the restrooms, they'll be down the hall, out the back, just straight down the hall on the left. But it's good to have each of you here this morning. And if you would, we've got a Connect card that's in the pew if you take that and fill that out. And uh, we sure would appreciate it. So, Reuben and I was talking, every time we get up here, we seem to forget something that we mean to say. So, but any of you are welcome to help us out on, on this, if you will. But it's good to have each of you here today. Uh, today at 2 p.m., we've got a council meeting, and we just uh, ask that you please be here. It'll be in the fellowship hall. Uh, Wednesday, we will be celebrating the uh, July birthdays and anniversary. Uh, Scott Lamb will be leading the service on Wednesday night, and the children and youth will meet on Wednesday night in their, their areas. And also, we'll be having cake and ice cream. So, everybody always enjoys that. I'm going to read a couple of uh, scriptures uh, this morning from 1 Corinthians 15, the 58th verse. Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord, in the Lord is not in vain. And then on the 16th, chapter uh, 13 and 14th. Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be men of courage. Be strong. Do everything in love. Also, let me say on our giving, uh, you can leave your envelope back in the back in the little box back there in the back, or you can turn it in, or you can uh, go to uh, Cypress Street Church uh, slash give. And this is for our members, not for our guests. So we appreciate the support and everybody's been given, and thank you for that. So let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this beautiful day that you've given us. We thank you for the love that you have for each of us and the, the privilege and opportunity to come back to your house this morning to worship you, Lord. And we just ask that you be with our service this morning and that each of us be drawn closer to you to do your will. And just help us to share your love, Lord, with other people. And we ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. If you're able, why don't you stand with us as we begin our worship service. What a beautiful song to start it with. Great are you, God. Great 
Glad each of you are here and welcome to the visitors. So, thank you all for being here this morning. This, this morning, our prayer list is uh, we've got a good many people on it uh, Bill, David, and Eric Chandler, Conrad and Shirley Weems, uh, Dell and Betty Green, uh, Fear Tindall the uh, Bastrop Church, and we just ask that you pray for uh, Brother Carvin. He's going to be going up there and filling in starting next week. So we just ask that you pray for him. Remember Sandy also. Uh, the Simpson Church of God, Lois and Buster Evans, uh, the COVID situations, Donald Elmore family, the uh, situation in Cuban, in Cuba, 
You know, we take, a lot of times, we take freedom very lightly. And uh, we just ask that you remember these people over in, in that country and other countries also. Uh, it's not only adults, it's the kids involved, you know, through this too. And uh, it's just a, a rough situation. Sarah Haynes, uh, I think most of you remember uh, Sarah. She was Vicky's next door neighbor for a long time. And uh, we just ask you to remember her. Kazuko in Japan, that is uh, Sonia's friend, one of her first uh, students that accepted uh, Christ, I think, under her. In, over in Japan, we ask you to remember her. Uh, Marie Honeycutt, Marie, we're glad you're back with us this morning, UNLB. Uh, Barbara Taylor, also uh, Connor Booth, he's a six-year-old. Uh, uh, their family went to Florida and he got swept under a wave this last week and uh, they had to put him uh, on a machine that breathed for him for uh, three days, but he is improving and doing better. And uh, his uh, mom and dad's Jennifer and James Booth. So just remember that family. Also, Mo Molly Tharp and uh, Jerry Crane, we left him out of off this this week, but just uh, please remember him and uh, Ken. Connell, we just ask he's still going through treatments up and down. If you do have any prayer requests, uh, or if you want to put on the uh, the bulletin, you can call the church office, or if it's a prayer group, you can call uh, Karen Odom. The number's on here. And Karen, thank you for the work that you do on this. So we've got Scott Lamb with us this morning. We're glad to have him and Rebecca. And so Scott, I'm going to ask you to come up and pray. And uh, thank you again for being here. Just remember these prayer requests as you pray daily and bring them before God. Our God's alive, right? He hears our prayers. He is capable and able to answer our prayer. And um, our scripture tells us uh, some things we just don't get because we don't ask. And um, so we're here to ask and um, ask God to, to answer these prayers this morning. Let's pray together. Dear God, um, we acknowledge you as King, Lord of the universe, God, our creator. God, you are um, almighty God, one who hears our needs, hears our cries. God, uh, if we weren't even able to vocalize them, we weren't able to speak them out to you, you still know what our needs are. You're still capable of reaching and touching and helping, even if we didn't. But God, it's a part of our relationship with you that we reach out to you and ask you to intervene on our behalf, to help us. And God, we're thankful for the many times in our past where we can look back and see where you did just that. God. Um, there's a long list of names that were listed, and this isn't, we don't just list those just to hear our voices, but God, we are bringing those to you. God, we know that uh, you know each one, 
you know, each person on there, not as just a, a sickness or whatever the need is that we're brought to our attention, but God, you see that person as a soul, as a, a person that you created. And God, you know everything about them. You know their greatest need. And we're thankful that you provided for our greatest need through Jesus. But God, you also want to help us with our other needs that we have in this life. God, we pray that you touch and to touch each one in the way that you see fit. God, we'll give you the glory for it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Glad to be back with you all again this morning. How many of you are like me and you enjoy watching the Olympic Games? Y'all like that? I just like sports in general and uh, watching the Olympics is just uh, something that intrigues me to see all the, uh, the work that goes into it and um, just the excellence that they put into it. And of course this year we're a little bit behind schedule, huh? So we're watching the 2020 Tokyo Games in 2021, but that's okay. Um, things happen sometimes, well, sometimes that's the first time that's ever happened. But did you get to see the opening ceremonies yesterday? I think, was that yesterday or the day before? It's Friday, I believe. Um, I like those, the opening ceremony. It's, it's interesting to me to see all the different countries represented in one big venue. And even with sometimes the distractions and the political things that some news sources might put out about people who are not proud of their country, I was proud to see the national pride that was there and the, um, it was nice to see the good display of the athletes proud of their home countries and that the parade of athletes as they walked in and the, the proud flag bearers bearing the flag of their country. It was neat to see that. Um, Zanya, it might have been special for you to see it, coming from Japan. No, you have some ties there. But, um, but it's good to see um, the national pride that's put in. I like to see how many flags I can recognize. I'm not very good at it, so I don't recognize very many of them. But it's interesting to me to watch that. But there's so many participating. I believe I read that 205 countries or territories were represented by an Olympic team during the opening ceremony the other night. Did you notice that some of the teams represented kingdoms? The kingdom of Bahrain, the kingdom of Morocco, the kingdom of Tonga. That was the uh, oiled up guy. I don't know if you saw him, but... <laughs> But uh, et cetera and et cetera. And even the host country is the Empire of Japan with Emperor Akihito, is that right? Akihito as head of state. So when I looked into this, I was surprised to see so many nations described as kingdoms. Because of course here in the United States with our president and our Congress, uh, much like many other countries, we don't have a king. Or um, we don't have, uh, we're not considered a kingdom. But it's uh, interesting to me to think of uh, all these kingdoms that still exist. When I looked it up, I think I found that there were um, 40-something nations around the world that are still considered kingdoms. 
there was, uh, let's see, I had a list of them. You might remember, you might recognize some of these. I named a couple, but uh, Belgium, it's a kingdom. Denmark. Lechtenstein, did I say that one right? Maybe it's Lechtenstein. Luxembourg, Monaco, the Netherlands, Norway, Saudi Arabia. All these are considered kingdoms, kingdoms of our world. Um, now, you don't have to be around church circles long before you start hearing the term the kingdom. Now, what's that all about? The kingdom. Well, it's certainly not the United Kingdom, and it's not Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom. Man, I had to go way back for that reference, didn't I? Man, I used to really like that show when I was a kid, you know, that was a long time ago. But the kingdoms, it's not the kingdom of Morocco or the kingdom of Saudi Arabia or Bahrain or Norway. It's not a kingdom you can hop on a plane and go visit somewhere. But it is a real kingdom. And it's here and now. It's the kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven, as Matthew refers to it in his gospel. It's not just another human regime. Instead, it's an integral part of the amazing plan of God. The kingdom of God. We don't really hear a whole lot of um, sermons about that anymore. I remember as a youth being impacted about the kingdom by a song by a guy named Russ Hollingsworth. You remember, some of y'all might remember him from the 80s. He did a couple of youth conventions and stuff back then. But um, as a matter of fact, the song that I'm thinking of was called The Kingdom. And as a kid, I was thinking of the kingdom as just this, this place that I would get to live one day with Jesus for eternity. The, the kingdom of heaven, that's where I would go. And it was a distant place in the future. But that song helped me to understand and helped me realize that eternity for believers starts with trusting Jesus now. And that's where the kingdom, that's where eternity starts for me. And that's where the kingdom Starts. It's not something just to look forward to in the future, but eternity starts now and the kingdom is here and now in me as King Jesus is in me. So let me read a, a few of the lyrics from that song, The Kingdom. It says, We can search the world and never find the kingdom and spend a lifetime chasing empty dreams. For the kingdom of our Father is here within us and we're citizens the moment we believe. We are the kingdom. And then the Course says, And like a tiny seed, it soon becomes a giant tree, growing in our hearts when we believe. Oh, the kingdom is a treasure, the priceless pearl of Calvary. The kingdom is Jesus in you and me. Isn't that great? The kingdom is Jesus in you and me because He is King Jesus, right? When he sets up residence on the throne of your heart, you're in the kingdom, and the king is in you. Jesus tells us that when we repent and believe, we have access to his kingdom, one that's always available to us. When we accept Jesus, we become a part of his kingdom. His presence, power, and peace live inside of us. It's a great gift that God gives us. 
by sending his son to usher into the earth God's kingdom. Now we can find in scripture, if you just, there's a bunch of references to the kingdom of God in here. And Jesus himself spoke frequently of it and he preached about it. So to quickly summarize just a few of the references from scripture, one is Luke 17, 21, when Jesus is confronted by some uh, religious leaders and asked about the coming kingdom. And he says, the kingdom is within us. You can't say, well, look, there it is, or there it is. He said, it is, uh, the NIV, I believe, says it is among us. The kingdom is among us. Matthew 13, 41 tells of a weeding out of those who cannot enter the kingdom. And Mark 1 encourages us to repent as God's kingdom is near. And John the Baptist used that often as he called for repentance. And that the kingdom of God is near. Jesus Christ himself not only said the kingdom of God is near, repent and believe from Matthew, but he also used it when teaching his disciples how to pray. Remember how he taught them? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, right? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And in the Beatitudes, Jesus preaches, theirs is the kingdom of heaven in Matthew chapter 5. And a verse I'm sure many of you have committed to memory, Matthew 6:33, but seek first, what? The kingdom. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. So when we pray and when we seek the kingdom of God, we're praying for the rule and the reign of the kingdom of God in our lives. This is when Jesus is in charge, when he reigns. So let's look at this a little bit uh, this morning about the kingdom. And we'll get to our main text here. Maybe uh, toward the end. <laughs> Luke 17, I referred to this one already. Luke 17, verse uh, 21. And verse 20 gives a description of how the Pharisees were questioning Jesus about when the kingdom would come and what signs to be observed. And, and in verse 21 says, nor will they say, look, here it is, or there it is. For behold, the kingdom of God is in your midst. Like that. And another one, um, another one said, the kingdom is within you, King James, I think. The NIV says the kingdom is among you. So it's in, your, in our midst. He was speaking what? This was Jesus. He was speaking of himself. You're saying you're looking around for the kingdom to come, but I'm here. I'm in your midst. I am ushering in the kingdom of God. And when I am here among you, I am the king, and you receive me in, that is the kingdom. That is the kingdom. When you're under his lordship and when he's in control of your life, that is the kingdom of God. So Jesus ushered in the kingdom at his first coming. The king himself did it. We are born again as citizens of God's kingdom when we repent and trust in Jesus. 
Jesus said in Mark 1:15, "The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel." So this kingdom, it may be um, a little confusing for us to think about because Jesus is saying it's here and now, but also when he teaches his disciples, he talks about pray for the kingdom to come. So it's like it's a present reality, but also something to come. Matthew 6, Jesus says in teaching his disciples, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And this verse, of course, is part of the passage that we famously call the Lord's Prayer. It was the model that Jesus gave his disciples on how to pray. And why did Jesus give us these words, asking us to invite the kingdom to come to earth? It's a wonderful thing that God partners, and he wishes to, and he does. He partners with believers to advance his cause of his kingdom or his reign here on earth. We used to have something in the Church of God in Louisiana called kingdom builders. Remember, uh, remember hearing about that? I don't know if it's still a thing. <laughs> Hopefully we are still building the kingdom. I don't know if that program is still in existence. But God partners with us to build the kingdom. And we are calling on God and praying for Him for your kingdom to come. It's like we know that there's something missing. Even though Christ is ruling in our hearts and the kingdom of God is on the thrones of the hearts of believers, there's a, more to come. There's more to come when Jesus will set up a new heaven and a new earth and He will reign as King over all. Not just those today who, who believe in Him. But we're as his ambassadors, as his representatives, as the salt and light that he's called us to be, God partners with us to usher in the kingdom and to grow the kingdom, God's kingdom. By witnessing, by spreading the, spreading the good news of the gospel in hopes that more and more people will ask Jesus into their heart to be the king of their heart. When that happens, the kingdom is spreading. The kingdom of God is coming among believers here. So the kingdom of God is both here and now and still to come. To quote author Amanda Eidelman, I don't think I could have said it any better than her, so I just quoted it. So y'all bear with me as I read a couple paragraphs. The fullness of God's kingdom has yet to be established. A battle against evil and for the souls on earth continues to go on until Jesus' final return in which he will establish a new heaven and earth where his kingdom will be fully known. We pray the words, your kingdom come, because we know that things are not as they should be. They are an acknowledgement that our world needs what God has. Right? So we pray, your kingdom come. These words are an invitation that God will use his people to be a light in this world while we wait for God's full plan and timing to unfold. These words are also a reminder to us that our final home is not of this world. We press towards the goal of heaven while still on earth.
That's Philippians 3.14. So sometime in the future, there will, will be a new heaven and a new earth with Jesus reigning as king over all. But until then, there's like a clash of two kingdoms going on. In the here and now, in this current earth that we're experiencing, Satan has some power. The kingdom of God is the reign of King Jesus in the lives of believers. But there's also another kingdom at work. Do you believe that? In Ephesians 2, Paul refers to Satan as the prince of the power of the air. Matthew makes reference to the prince of demons in Matthew 9.34. And in chapter 12, verse 26, Matthew says that Satan has a kingdom. Paul writes in Ephesians 6, 12, would be a scripture that's familiar to you. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. This evil realm that Paul also calls the air is referring to this world in which Satan has some power. As we see in Matthew 4, 8, where Jesus was tempted by Satan to bow and worship him. Remember that? As Jesus was first starting his uh, ministry, um, he goes into the wilderness to fast and to pray and prepare for that. And he's, while he's there, he's tempted by Satan. Remember he says, he says, stand and look out over all these kingdoms of the earth. He said, they'll be yours if you just bow down and worship me. So Satan is real and present. Just as Jesus is. As Paul puts it, a power over this present darkness. Now although Satan has power and authority in this current world system in which we're existing, his power is limited. Always under the sovereign control of God. I think back to Job, how God gave Satan to be able to test Job. But he said, but you can't take his life, right? So he had authority over Satan. Satan still had power to do things, but God had an authority over him to limit. So his power is limited and it is temporary. Like Romans 16, 20, it says, Satan will be crushed under your feet. It's a temporary power. God's made it clear that there is only one way to escape the power of Satan's dominion, Satan's domain. And God has made that way of escape available for us. And it's through His Son, Jesus, right? When Jesus appeared to Saul on the road to Damascus, He told him that He was sending him to people. And I'm going to read verse 18 in Acts chapter 26. He was sending Saul to people to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the dominion of Satan to God. So here we see there is a dominion of Satan. Satan has a rule. From the dominion of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith in me. Through Christ we can be transferred to the kingdom of God. Transferred. Colossians 1, 
12 through 14. I think this is one of my favorite passages of what I'm going to be reading today. Colossians 1, verses 12 through 14. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. For He rescued us from the domain of darkness. There's a domain of darkness. And transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son. Here's that, another reference to that word, the kingdom. So He rescued us from the domain of darkness. This is like Satan's kingdom, right? And transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. That's a great scripture to highlight. Jesus declared also in John 12, 31, now the ruler or the prince, another translation says, the ruler of this world will be cast out. The ruler of this world is Satan. He is the power over this present darkness. He is real and is constantly working against those who would obey him. Now, I apologize this morning if I'm speaking some just basics here. I'm sure that you are well aware that Satan is real. You've probably experienced this day-to-day -day battle that I'm talking about right here. That, um, but I think we need to acknowledge it together this morning that Satan is real, right? Can we agree with that? There's a real battle going on for the souls of people right now. He's seeking to destroy you and your kids and your grandkids and your neighbors. That's his mission. To destroy, to kill. He's on the prowl. Satan has great power as we can see through scripture. But people can be delivered from his reign of spiritual darkness because of Christ's victory. Christ's victory on the cross. We talked about this a couple weeks ago that death has been defeated. Sin has been defeated. It is no longer our master because of what Christ did for us on the cross. I think we have to just um, meditate on these things sometimes to help us to remember what state we're in without Christ. We're doomed to death. We're doomed to the domain of darkness. But for Christ, we can be rescued from that. Man, this is something to be excited about, something to be um, thankful and grateful for, something to turn our um, maybe whatever attitude we have of just going through the day into an attitude of gratitude, and being grateful for what Christ has done for us and transferred us from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of His Son. Jesus Christ's resurrection shattered Satan's power. And believers can share in that resurrection power and be transferred to the kingdom of God. So how do we become part of his kingdom? We've kind of talked about it already. It's a real place. We're still agreeing with that, right? Okay, I don't I want to put you all to sleep here. I'm going to repeat some things. But the kingdom of God, the kingdom of Satan, Satan is real. He has real power. The kingdom of God is real. These are these things that we can't see, but we, we deal with them, don't we? We deal with them. We deal with this present darkness. 
When people place their trust in the work done for us by Jesus on the cross, we're delivered from the power of sin, Romans tells us. From the bondage of sin, from the reign of sin that Satan exercises over us. We are free from the reign of sin. We are no longer slaves to sin. Romans 6, 11 says that we are dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Praise the Lord. We have been born again, a new creation. Children of God born into His kingdom. We're born into His kingdom. We're placed in His kingdom. As we read in Colossians 1.13, we're transferred into His kingdom by the awesome plan of salvation through Jesus Christ that God has set in place for us. The rescuer has made all the arrangements for us to be delivered. You ever uh, traveled? Uh, no, Carvin, you can probably relate to this. You travel and you know that you have to be at a certain place at a certain time once you land at the airport. And maybe you make arrangements for uh, a bus to pick you up or some car to pick you up to take you to the, the church or wherever you have to be at or whatever. You're transferred. You're transferred from that one place to the other. God has made all the arrangements. He's taking care of all the arrangements for us to transfer us from this kingdom to that one. Through what He did through sending His Son, Jesus. The Rescuer has made all the arrangements for us to be delivered from darkness and transferred to His kingdom. It's there for the taking. It's like that voucher that you take and say, okay, I've got my voucher for the transfer. He's taking care of all of it. It's there for the taking. We just have to receive it. We have to receive it in faith. Jesus taught that the kingdom had to be received. In Mark chapter 10, it'll be a familiar passage to you, but verses 13 through 16 is that the image, uh, the story of all the children coming up to Jesus and they're trying to get them to go away. And Jesus says, no, let them come to me. He says, um, Jesus explains in, in that passage, he explained that in order to enter the kingdom of God, he brings up the kingdom of God again here. In order to enter the kingdom of God, people must receive it by coming to Him with a childlike faith. Verse 15 of that passage says, this is Jesus talking, Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Wow, it's pretty heavy. But what does that mean? What is He saying? How do we receive the kingdom. Receiving the kingdom is receiving or accepting the reign of the king. Receiving the reign of King Jesus with simple, sincere, childlike faith. Faith like a little child. We have to trust that Jesus is who he says he is. Trust that Jesus has done what he says he's done on the cross for us, and we have to receive His free gift of salvation. Receive Him as Lord. And as He takes place on the throne of your life, He is reigning as King. You've received His kingdom. How do I know if I've received the kingdom of God? He's the King of my life. Well, how do I know if He's the King of my life? Is He in charge? Or are you in charge? 
I think that's a pretty sim simple, maybe too simplistic, but a simple way of knowing if Jesus is the king of your life, who's in charge? If he's the king, he's in charge. If he's not, you're in charge, right? Do we run our own lives? Are we in charge of our own lives or are we allowing Christ to be in charge? Are we allowing him to reign as king of our life? John 1 verses 12 and 13 says, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but born of God. In Jesus' conversation with Nicodemus, we read in John chapter 3, Jesus responded and said to Nicodemus, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Have any of y'all seen that, um, the video series, The Chosen? Have you seen that? If you haven't seen it, I recommend that you watch it. There's a scene here that depicts this, what's happening here in John chapter 3 of Jesus and Nicodemus. And wow, it's, it's powerful. But Nicodemus comes back at Jesus and says, well, how can a person be born when he's old? He cannot enter his mother's womb a second time and be born, can he? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless someone is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So here's another teaching of Jesus about the kingdom of God. We've got to be born again of the Spirit. A spiritual rebirth is required to make us part of God's kingdom. It's a matter of a birthright, not a matter of works that we can do to earn entrance into the kingdom. It's a matter of a birthright. Spiritual rebirth. We're born into it. We're born into the kingdom. And as Jesus sits on the throne in our hearts, his kingdom is in us as well. Now, one of the passages I read at the first, um, a couple of them, it said, repent and believe and the kingdom is yours. Sometimes we tend to overlook repentance, don't we? We think, well, as long as I believe, well, even the, Demons believe. Repentance. As we're trusting in Jesus and believing in Him for salvation and receiving His free gift, repentance is also a key ingredient. We show our willingness to rely on Jesus when we repent. Why? Because we're not relying on ourselves anymore. Because what is repentance? Repentance is turning away from my way and turning toward God's way. And you're relying on Him. You're trusting in Him that, okay, God, I'm going your way. I'm trusting your way. I'm not, I'm not going my way anymore. I'm repented. That's what repentance is, is a 180. You're going this way and you repent and you go this way. And you go with God. Mark 1.15, Jesus said, The time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. So Jesus is explaining that his kingdom is in us and we're born again as citizens of God's kingdom when we repent and believe in him. This is how we become part of God's kingdom. I wish I could give credit 
to the author of this paragraph that I found written in some of my uh, Bible study notes from several years ago, actually. But I think it sums up well what we've been talking about this morning about the kingdom of God and our role in it. So bear with me a minute as I read this. It says, The rule of God is made manifest in this world through Jesus Christ's dominion over his followers. Again, that dominion means he's in charge. He's the one that's ruling. All those who submit to Christ's rule are the subjects of his kingdom. Christ sits on the throne of each heart that is committed to God's will and rule. Now I'll repeat that last sentence while you listen and decide if you're part of this kingdom that I'm speaking of. Christ sits on the throne of each heart that is committed to God's will and rule. The kingdom. Isn't it excited to think about being part of a kingdom like that? Jesus has all authority, we're told in Matthew 28. And we are his loyal subjects in allegiance to our king. We're citizens of the kingdom of God right now. The kingdom of God exists here and now because Jesus is reigning in the hearts of the redeemed. If we're part of such a kingdom, we're loyal subjects to our king, what does this mean to you and me? What function would you like to have in the service of our king? How are you serving your king? We can read of kings and kingdoms of the past and maybe even fictional ones we might read about in storybooks. You might be thinking of King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table. And you might fancy yourself as serving your king, as uh, going out on quests and slaying dragons and <laughs> saving damsels in distress. Or maybe you think back to some of the stories we read in the Bible of the times of the kings and wonder what your place would be in the kingdom. Maybe you'd be a cupbearer to the king. Hmm, how about that? I don't think so. I don't want to do that one. You remember what that is. Maybe a baker, or a blacksmith, or a stable boy, or an arms bearer, or even the captain of the army, or a priest, or an ambassador. Wouldn't it be cool to be an ambassador? Now you're thinking, here it is, it's almost 11 o'clock, you're just now getting to your main topic. An ambassador, well you're right. Being an ambassador is what the title of the sermon was. An ambassador for Christ. I think everyone probably knows what an ambassador is. When we think of an ambassador, we usually envision a stately person representing their country in some foreign land. Someone who gets to travel luxuriously and hobnob with important dignitaries, things like that. Maybe some of us, or even most of us, would be quite flattered if the president asked us to serve in a position as an ambassador. How about that? Would you like that? Where would you like to, the president to assign you an ambassadorship to? Italy? Greece? Where would you like to go? Maybe Ireland? Australia? Japan? Right? Oh, the places you could go. Did you know that you have been assigned an ambassadorship 
Remember that as believers and those who trust in Jesus, we're now part of the kingdom of God, right? Guess what? Your king has given you an assignment. You and I are ambassadors for Christ. We're ambassadors. So we're going to read, now it's going to be in closing, <laughs> 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16 through 21. And we'll get into this a little bit about what it means to be an ambassador. First, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse 16. Therefore, from now on, we recognize no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him in this way no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have passed. Behold, new things have come. Now all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making an appeal through us we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Ambassadors for Christ. Now all the reading and sharing about the kingdom of God that has been presented up to this point was really just to set the stage for this idea of being an ambassador. For when we grasp the truth that we are citizens of the kingdom of God and understand that this world in which we live is not really our home, we can begin to better understand the concept of being an ambassador for Christ in a land that's not our home. Living in a foreign land and representing your king in the midst of those who may be hostile toward his kingdom. And realizing that there are powers at work against you and your mission as ambassador. In this passage we read from 2 Corinthians, Paul describes a Christian's duty as a representative of Christ. He says that we're ambassadors for Christ. Not that we should aspire to be an ambassador, but that we are an ambassador. You are an ambassador for Christ. So what's an ambassador and what does an ambassador do? This seems like good questions for next week. <laughs> now that I see the time, the clock on the wall. So let's pick up here next week. And you can read 2 Corinthians 5, the verses that I just read sometime during the week, and get your own idea of what you think it needs to be an ambassador. And um, the, I mentioned the Olympics earlier. Really, those guys, those athletes are ambassadors to an extent. They represent their country. They represent their team. And they're going to a place and... Uh, in the name of their country, they're performing something. And as an ambassador, they're representing their country. 
Now, sometimes uh, we'll tell our, our son, and you've probably told your kids the same thing, when they're about to go out somewhere, said, so remember who you represent. <laughs> you know, and it's, you're making them think, you know, how, how am I going to behave? How am I going to act? What are the things that I'm going to do? What am I going to say? You represent yourself. You represent the Lamb family. And you represent God. An ambassador doesn't really represent themselves. They don't really represent their own personal family, but they do represent God. They're a representation of God and of his kingdom. And as ambassadors of God and God's kingdom, we have a duty. And we'll talk about that some more next week, and then we'll get into that ministry of reconciliation too. So um, I hope that you don't feel like uh, your time was wasted this morning, that I went on and on about the kingdom of God. But guess what? Jesus did. Jesus talked a lot about the kingdom of God. And um, I believe it's an important topic. And if maybe you were able to grasp a little bit something about it that you hadn't thought about before, or maybe it reminded you just to be grateful that you have been transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of God. Let's stand this morning as the musicians come. We'll close in a song. God, we're so grateful for the kingdom. We're grateful that it's not something that's just a future anticipation that we have, a future expectation of living in the kingdom of heaven with you for eternity, but it's now. We have eternal eternity with you now. We're in the kingdom now. As you're our king and you reign in our heart, we've repented from our way. We turned to your way. We believed in you as Savior. And God, we acknowledge you as Lord of our life, King of our life. King Jesus, reign. God, we pray that you help us as ambassadors, that we are in a world that is not our own. This is not our home anymore. We're, we're citizens of heaven. We just live here now. But God, we have a job while we're here, and that's to be your ambassadors. God, we pray that we'll take that role seriously and that we'll be diligent. We'll be careful to be your ambassadors and to represent you in the world that we're in. God, um, I ask that you help each one of us to just to take this word and the, your Holy Spirit um, work in their life to make it something uh, unique for them. I pray that you'll help us to be able to come back next Sunday and to continue looking at this concept of being an ambassador and the ministry of reconciliation that you've entrusted to us. God, we're thankful so much that you reconciled us, that you uh, made our relationship right again with the Father. We're thankful for Jesus and that being made possible through him. It's in his name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> Let's share together this beautiful song, Change My Heart, O oh God.
talking we forget something and I did forget this morning about the Pollock offering the camp offering so these envelopes some of them's outside but we're taking an offering today for the camp for support of the camp again we'd like to thank each of your visitors for coming today please come back and visit us and if you would just leave the connect card this is just so we can get back with you and uh, you thank you for coming to church with us this morning. Thank everyone for being here. Scott, thank you for the message you brought to us this morning. So now we're dismissed and uh, you can go to your circles. Thank you.